we look at the parallel passages. So we're in both 2 Samuel 7 and 1 Chronicles 17. And we'll see how they are practically identical. But we will find a couple of things in one that we won't find in the other. So we look at them together, okay? As we, again, 2 Samuel 7 and 1 Chronicles 17. It's a, it's a very informative passage. Of course, time is moving here according to God's purpose is today and a significant revelation is made here uh, in, in this passage of scripture. Of course, it affects all of God's people in both testaments. And so let's look at these uh, three parts of this passage, these two passages First of all, David plans a temple. Now let's uh, consider why. It came to pass, the king dwelt in his house. You remember that was the house, what, the guy named Hiram that built for a real nice house, the king of Lebanon. And Yahweh had given him rest round about from all of his enemies. This was a time where prosperity is really taking hold in Israel. David has the absolute respect of all of those who surround him. And it's, it's one of those rare times where the people of God have rest and Yahweh gave them that rest. So what is on David's mind? He serves Yahweh on the battlefield to protect the promise of the Christ and to protect God's people from the enemies of God's people. He's not at war, but his mind is still on serving Yahweh, st serving God. So now how can I serve God? I have a, a great army, our border is secure, and we are at rest, and they're not going to attack me right now. So what next can I do for Yahweh? Now this is the first time that Nathan the prophet is mentioned in the scripture, the king said unto Nathan the prophet, look, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within these curtains. Of course, they're still using the tabernacle as it was used in the time of, of, of Exodus. Nathan said to the king, all that is in your heart, go do. For Yahweh is with you. In the passage, it is not revealed that David's mind, and the, the, the Hebrew word for house, not only refers to a building of, of, of stones and brick and, and wood and so forth, it also refers to a household, the development of a family that will continue for generations. It has already been made obvious that uh, 
Yahweh is pleased with the development of the household of, of David. However, David is not thinking of that. He's thinking of a building, a temple. And so Nathan at this point, resting on what Yahweh has already said and done regarding David and his household, just tells him to keep on in that direction. In, in other words, Yahweh has always spoke, already spoken about this, but he doesn't realize that uh, David is talking about a temple. If it's in your heart to do it, go do it for Yahweh is with you. Now it came to pass when David sat in his house that David said to Nathan, the prophet, behold, I dwell. This is first Chronicles uh, rendition. I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of Yahweh dwells under curtains. And Nathan said to David, all that is in your heart, do it for God is with you. If there is one thing that is evident at this point in time, it is that David is Yahweh's chosen servant. So Yahweh is going to perform his will in a way through David, like he had done through Samuel, for example. I mean, it was just one of those times where it is obvious, not just from the word of God, but also from the action that had been performed through David, that David was Yahweh's servant. So Nathan, as I said earlier in 2 Samuel, is agreeable because this has already been covered. But David is taking a, a, a new turn here. That leads to the covenant that God makes with David. David, this covenant is expressed from Yahweh to David in response to the desire in David's heart to build the temple. So here goes. It came to pass on the same night that the word of Yahweh was to Nathan saying, go and say to my servant to David, so says Yahweh, Shall you build me a house for my dwelling? Yahweh knows exactly what's in the heart of David. Are you going to build me a house that I can dwell in? Yahweh makes the contrast between who he is and his kingdom and who David is and his kingdom. This is natural. This is a natural thing for every enthusiastic and zealous servant of God to do. Namely, to think in terms, especially in the high times of life, the high moments of life, to think in terms that God must do it, evidently does it the way that we do. Well, of course, that's not true. David's about to learn that, that truth. Yahweh doesn't exist in the way that David exists. David is a type of a great king. His kingdom is a type of a great kingdom, but it's just that. It's only a type. So Yahweh says to David or to Nathan, who would say it to David, shall you build me a house for my dwelling? For I've not dwelt in a house from the day that I 
brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. Now here's the, here's the setting spiritually for Israel and Yahweh's covenant with Israel. Israel all the way through is in an, is in an ever um, growing mode of learning more and more about Yahweh. As a matter of fact, every child of God is the same way. I know a whole lot more about the Lord and his word than I did earlier in my life. And I, and I don't know how much longer I'm going to live, but I'm sure I don't know all that there is to know yet. All that God would reveal to me. This is the same way. So it's not time. <clears throat> it's not time for God. His people are not mature enough yet as a nation for God to allow the temple. It's not time for that yet. They knew God for all of their history as the God who was always there wherever they were. And they still need to have that sense of the presence of God. Therefore, God reminds through Nathan, the prophet, God reminds David that he has always been in a tent and in a tabernacle. He has always been in the presence wherever his people were. Now, they're not wandering around like that anymore. They're settling into their own places. And so that early in the life of the great nation under King David, it is not time for this kind of relationship. They, as a nation and as the people of God, they're not mature enough to receive the presence of God in a temple. It's, it, so David is thinking outside of the box and he, in doing so, gets, gets out of the yard and he's supposed to stay in the yard. So Yahweh doesn't scold him for that, but he's explaining to him so that, and through Nathan the prophet, so that the children of Israel, the sons of Israel will know that uh, God is moving in a certain way and this is the way it is for this point in time. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the rulers of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why don't you build me a house of cedar? Here's the deal. David has jumped the gun. Yahweh says to David, I didn't tell you that you could build me a temple. You're thinking about it. Now the time comes, of course, and he'll, this is explained. But at this point in time, this is not the will of Yahweh. It's not the best thing for David. It's not the best thing for his people. So he says, there have been rulers before you. Did I ever say to any of these rulers that I want you to think about building me a house of cedar? And now you shall say to my servant to David, thus says the, the, the Yahweh of armies or Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of hosts. I took you from the sheep field, from the sheep meadow, from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be a leader over my people Israel. Now, that was a big jump from leading sheep in a remote field to becoming the great respected king. And Yahweh says, 
And notice he introduces himself as the Lord of armies, the almighty, all-powerful, who can do anything he wants to. Lord of hosts, I'm the one who took you from your humble beginning, and I'm the one who has made you to be leader over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies before you and have made for you a great name, like the name of the great ones that are in the earth. Historically then, here's what God says. God says at that point in time, David's name was as great as any other name of any leader anywhere in, in, in that part of the world. So this is, this is the history of the world as Yahweh uh, reveals it. Now, David doesn't set out to conquer the world. History books will not say this same thing about David in that era because David's kingdom is not, is not one that seeks to destroy and overtake other kingdoms by force. It is just the solidification of the kingdom of God's people to protect the people of God and to protect the promise of the Christ. In that era in history, you would read about other kings and you would read about their exploits, how they would go to war with other kingdoms and they would intend to conquer the world. But if you think back, you won't see this. Now, there may be preemptive strikes in the history of Israel's people in the Old Testament. Well, even today. But the purpose is, is not to create another kingdom or to enlarge the kingdom by taking over that kingdom. That's not the purpose of God with Israel. And Israel has never been that kind of people. And they still aren't that kind of people. They're not looking to be aggressive. They only will defend themselves. And here, when we think of David, we think that David in Yahweh's history book is as great as any of the great ones on the earth because David is fulfilling his part, which is namely protecting Israel, the people of God and the promises of God through Israel. So God does that and he raises up David to do it and God gave him his name. And I will appoint a place for my people for Israel and I will plant them. I will do all this and I will dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more and the wicked people shall not continue to afflict them as before. So Yahweh is saying, I'm, I'm in charge of how I'm going to develop my relationship with the people and what's going to be built with regard to who I am and, and how I'm going to keep the people who they are and how the wicked people will or will not relate to them. And even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. And Yahweh has told you that Yahweh will make for you a house. Now, here's the difference. This is, this is Yahweh letting David down easy. It's not a house of stone and mortar mix and, and, and wood. It is a household in David's name that will live forever. 
through a great son of David. All right. Yahweh will make for you a house. And when your days are finished and you shall lie with your forefathers, then I will raise up your seed that shall proceed from your body after you. I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Okay, this is the transference from David to his son Solomon. But of course, the greater promise is there in that that throne is still the throne of the kingdom that will last forever. So that would be transferred through the sons of David according to the will, word, and purpose of God. Now, it's later in 1 Chronicles 22, I think it's in chapter 22, when Yahweh explains that there's another, there's another thing about David. David was not chosen to be the man of, of peace. David was chosen to be the man of war. David, he says, to, to paraphrase what he said later in 1 Chronicles, David has blood on his hands and it was by the will of God that he did because God had raised him up and David acknowledges in one of his Psalms that, that Yahweh taught his hands to do battle and his fingers to, or his fingers to do battle, his hands to do war and his feet could run swiftly. And the whole thing speaks of, of how great of a warrior he was and Yahweh gave him uh, those, those personal characteristics, that personal strength. And this was Yahweh's will for David. And it cannot be that king who would build the temple. And that's what Yahweh says. And we'll get to that, God willing, later on in First Chronicles. But here he says, yes, I'm going to establish for you a house. But it is a house of progeny. It is a house of descendants. It is a house of of sons of David who will sit on a throne and that throne is the throne of a kingdom that I will establish forever. Okay. This is a, this of course, I mean all covenants are major covenants, but this is a watershed that if we, if we went backwards, if we went in reverse would carry us all the way back to Genesis 3.15 and the promise of the seed of woman, the seed of woman who would crush the head of the serpent. That covenant and the families of the earth are narrowed down family by family all the way through the Old Testament. And, and this is that moment that narrows it down here uh, to David and it's, it, it, won't be any, it won't be narrowed any more than this in the Old Testament. So it'll be son of David, throne of David, and eternal kingdom that God will establish. And son of David will sit on that throne, and that throne is an eternal throne, and that kingdom is an eternal kingdom. So this thing transfers itself all the way down. And First, Second Chronicles, First, Second Kings, um, we have the we have the. Uh, Succession of, of, of kings from David. The kingdom is divided and yet still the southern kingdom of Judah where, Judah, where Jerusalem is, where the temple is, where the city of David is. 
that continues all the, t- all the way to the time of Ezekiel and Jeremiah when God proclaims through the prophet that there won't be another son of David to sit on this throne because they, they, they became evil and compromising and so they became weak and the people had sinned and the people had fallen into great sin which caused the dispersion of the people over the world and it caused the destruction of everything including the, the, including the destruction of Jerusalem back in that time and the tearing down of the temple. God says through the prophet there will not be another son of David on the throne until the son of David sits on the throne. So there's this pause from that last king in the Old Testament until the time that the king of kings, of course, the Lord Christ, uh, sits on the throne. He sits enthroned. Uh, and in the millennial kingdom, the throne will be in uh, Jerusalem. And then ultimately, of course, in the heavenly in the new Jerusalem. Now, this is the promise that's made. So this is a continuation. God is still carrying out his promise to crush the head of the serpent. And so he protects his elect all the way through. And then from among those, he chooses this family and that family. The last time God had done this, he chose the tribe of Judah back in Genesis 49. That the scepter would not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Peacemaker, peace giver comes. Now Judah is narrowed down to David. So from this moment forward, thoughtful people among the elect of God in the Old Testament would carefully watch the development of the house of David. That's what this covenant means. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. So that when he goes astray, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of Adam. And that happens among the sons of David through the history of, uh, of David's descendants. But my mercy, my loving kindness, my covenant love shall not depart from him as I withdrew it from Saul, whom I removed before you. God didn't make a covenant like that with Saul. And it was evident. Saul was very self-centered. And he was not a king for the people. And he was not a king after the heart of God. Pursuing the heart of God. A very very selfish and self-centered man who was the choice of the people. And not the choice of God. And the contrast is sharp and it is made here in the scriptures. And what he's saying is, I didn't establish a covenant. I did not establish the the covenant love with Saul. He allowed Samuel to anoint him because the people were insistent on Saul But it wasn't the covenant that God established with him. So he says here, what I did for the people in that time in preserving them, I finally withdrew it from Saul and I removed him. Yahweh takes the responsibility 
of making sure that everything is set right. And your house and your kingdom shall be confirmed forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak to David. David will write psalms about this. One of them, I think, is the 89th Psalm. But you will see these messianic psalms uh, in the books of the psalms. And, and that, that come from the pen of David. And this was the Holy Spirit growing David's sensitivity and his understanding of Messiah. The covenant is made and then God begins to work on the spirit of David and it then comes out through the Psalms of David. Now here's that th same thing in 1 Chronicles 17 came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and say to David, my servant, so said Yahweh, you should not build me the house in which to dwell for I've not dwelt in the house from the day that I brought up Israel to this day, but I've gone from tent to tent and from tabernacle to another. Wherever I walked among all Israel, I spoke a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people saying, why have you not built me a house of such? So, Preceding the kings were the times of the judges and God never said that to any of them and their leadership and their selection in their day was just as important in their day as the selection of David is here with the one caveat that David receives the covenant that continues the seed of the woman. And now, so shall you say to my servant David, so said uh, Lord of armies, Lord of hosts, I took you from the, the shepherd field following the sheep to be a leader over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you've gone. I've cut off all your enemies from before you. I made you a name like the name of the great ones that are in the earth. And I shall appoint a place for my people Israel and I shall plant them and they will dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more and wicked people will no longer afflict them as formerly. Now in the time of Solomon, the borders of Israel, the boundaries of Israel had extended beyond what they had ever been extended before. The prosperity of Israel was unequaled in all of the world, such that Solomon even had his own merchant navy. Uh, and he, he, he had a, he had a <laughs> there was no trade deficit in Israel in those days. All of the goods and services were flowing out of Israel and the wealth of the world was coming into Israel and this was during the time of Solomon by the, by, the, by the will of God and God does it and this is a time when Israel becomes solidified as a nation. The trade routes are well known. Uh, even, the, even the seagoing vessels as they, as they were in those days were protected by Yahweh through Solomon. Uh, his, army, his army was so Impressive, You know, they had shields of gold and all that stuff. You, it's, it's in another part uh, that describes how magnificent the chariots and the armies of Solomon were. And there just wasn't any threat. So when the people are that settled then, and they had matured as a nation so that the economy was second to none and the army was second to none, and the leadership was stable and uh, the, the king had the wisdom above all the other wisdom of, of men. 
then the people are ready for the temple. And this is what's being said here. And even from the days that I commanded judges over my people and I vanquished all your enemies, moreover, I tell you that Yahweh will build you a house and it will come to pass when your days are finished to go with your, to go with your forefathers, then I shall raise up your seed after you. This is the household of David who will be of your sons and I shall establish his kingdom and he will build me a house and I shall establish his throne forever. And I shall be to him as a father, he'll be to me as a son, and I shall not remove my, there's that word again. Anyway, it's the loving covenant love. From him as I removed it from the one who was before you, from he uh, who was before you. And I shall station him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever according to all these words and according to all of this vision to the prophet. So did Nathan speak to David. Now, this is the covenant that God sends to David. It continues the great promise of salvation. So you and I are as involved in this covenant as any of God's people would ever be because at some point, the son of David, the king of the kingdom, the king of kings, the Messiah, the savior of his own, the savior would come and sit on that throne. So I, I have as big of a part in this as, as anybody else does because this covenant made through Nathan for David includes me. And he had me on his mind when he made this covenant with David. And this is the next step of God's, of God's process of, uh, of developing his will all the way until finally, at the end of days, the Gentile kingdoms collapse and the great kingdom on earth is established uh, for a thousand years. So anyway, this is how Yahweh spoke it to David. Now, what does David do? He thanks God for what, see, all right. He could have, you know, there was one time you remember when that guy reached out and David had this idea to move the ark and he had these old guys driving the ox cart and had the ark on it and then they hit a pothole or something and the thing, the ark started shaking and that guy reached back and grabbed hold of it and he died and, and David kind of pitched a fit. He didn't like it because Yahweh did that. Well, he's not going to pitch a fit now. God is saying, no, you're not going to build the temple. I'm going to make you a great promise that's really a promise that's greater than the temple. And it's inclusive of the one who will, who will be your son someday. And he will be the king of all kings. And he will be the eternal king who sits enthroned over the eternal kingdom. Now, he doesn't give him all of the facts about a heavenly Jerusalem, and he doesn't give him everything, but he does grow in that. We get this from the Psalms, as I said earlier. He grows in his knowledge and understanding of the doctrine of the Messiah, the great king, the son of David. So David offers this prayer, and now he's learned. Instead of pitching a fit that God's not going to let him build the temple, he thanks God for what God just told him. The king, David, went in and sat before Yahweh. Now, this implies that he went into the area where the Ark of the Covenant was. 
So he sits before Yahweh. And he said, who am I, Adonai Yahweh, Lord God? Who am I, Adonai Yahweh? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? As though this was yet too small a thing in your eyes, Adonai Yahweh. But you also spoke of your servant's house from afar. Is this the manner of man, Adonai Yahweh? He would later write a psalm. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou wouldst visit him? So this is the beginning of that thought. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, Adonai Yahweh. One of the most heartwarming things is that David is just a man. What separates David in the scriptures is that Yahweh chose him as a servant and empowered him and enabled him to be that servant. And he does that for all of his other people in a, in a special sense. He knows who we are, where we are, why we are, when we are. And he works in our lives. And these are the questions I guess we will ask him from then on. Why? Why did you choose me? Why would you visit me? Why would you take me from my obscure remote household and make me your servant? This is, these are great questions that I think we all will ask into the ages of the ages as we learn more about Yahweh, our God. For you know your servant, Adonai Yahweh, for the sake of your word, this is why. Here's the answer. Well, you did it for the sake of your word. And according to your own heart, have you brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it? Just for the sake of your word, just for your pleasure, just because it pleased you, this is why you did it. Therefore, you are great, Adonai Yahweh, for there is none like you, neither is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Who is like your people, like Israel, one nation in the world, whom Elohim went to redeem for himself as a people? This is the question. Who were we as a people? We were just, we were just a bunch of shepherds and, and we tended pastures and, and we had a, a kind of a nasty, smelly lifestyle and we sojourned. We didn't even have a land. What, why, why Israel? Why Israel to redeem yourself and to make yourself a name through those otherwise obscure people? And look what the greatness of God did. It was God. He could have chosen any nation he chose. He could have chosen any nation that he would choose to choose. But it was Israel. Why? Who, who are we that you have brought these great and fearful things through us to accomplish for you the greatness and fearful things for your land and driving out from before your people whom you did redeem yourself for yourself out of Egypt the nations and their gods. The most humble and most meaningless and in an earthen sense worthless people in the world were selected and redeemed from the most elite people in the world who were the Egyptians. It's a great, it's a great reflection that he makes in his, in his prayer. 
You did establish to yourself, your people Israel, to be a people unto you forever. And you, Yahweh, became their God. They didn't, you know who, you go back to Abraham. He was worshiping the moon God. And Ur of the Chaldees, he didn't have any concept of the true and living God, that there was one God. He didn't know anything about that until God called him. And then God promised, I will make of you a father of nations. I'll make your name great. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that goes all the way down to the nation of Israel. And the least of all the people in the world were favored over the most important people in the world, the Egyptians. Why? Because God wanted to. To establish himself a people, and through those people, God would know God is God. You know, there's coming a time, I think very soon. In Ezekiel, he, he points to a time when his people are regathered and they are a nation again among them. Well, we live in that day, right? And these great forces, you know, Gog in the land of Magog and... and uh, Meshach and Tabal and Tagarma, all these other ones, uh, Persia, who is Iran, they'll all come against Israel. And what they'll throw at Israel will darken the sky. The Bible says, Ezekiel says, it'll darken the sky. And then God delivers them. It would seem hopeless, otherwise hopeless. And the Lord God said to Ezekiel, I'm not doing this for Israel's sake which is indicative of the fact that it comes before the time is of, Israel, of Israel's total redemption, which is pre-tribulation, pre-millennial. I'm not doing this for the sake of Israel. I am doing this for my holy name's sake. Because he chose to. He chooses to. I think this will be very soon, personally. And when it happens, I'm telling you, the rapture is either just before it or right after it, in my view, one or the other. Well, he says, you established yourself a people. You wanted to, but you know what? Look at how Israel is attacked all the time, even today. All the time. Going to wipe them out, going to kill them. Just can't stand them. Same thing happens to the church. The, the Western culture, which had, had traditionally been built on, uh, on the, the New Testament principles and beliefs. And don't get me wrong, I don't think the Western world is all saved. We're certainly not. We've come up with some of the most wicked ideas in human history in the Western civilization. That said, there was a time when the Apostle Paul went to sleep thinking he was going to Asia and had this vision in the night and the man from Macedonia who said, come and, come and help us. And he got up the next morning and said, guys, our, our itinerary has changed. We're not going east. We're, we're going west. We're going toward Europe. And that was the will of God. And so here, it was the will of God to take these people. And through those people, the world knows there's a God. And the world can't stand it. So they try to, they try to destroy Israel. As long as Israel exists, and they do, and they exist with this promise of God that he's going to take care of them in a physical sense forever. And the promise is that, of course, they will inhabit the millennial kingdom. As, lo as long as they live and exist, 
It's an affront to Satan and he does everything he can do to destroy them. Same way he tries to do with the church. He's, of course, he's attacking the church from within the church in these days. You should read some of the things that I read coming from some of what used to be some of the most influential pulpits in America. It's just unthinkable, the compromise that's been made. So why? Because God established it for himself and the world will know that he's God. This is his will. This is his purpose. And now Adonai Elohim, actually it's Adonai Yahweh, but Elohim is in there because, well, you understand, I'm not going to go through all that. Adonai Elohim, the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, confirm it forever. And do as you have spoken and let your name be magnified forever that it may be said, the Lord God of hosts, God over Israel, the Lord God of armies, the, the God over Israel and the house of your servant David shall be established before you. And for you, Adonai Yahweh, Lord God, God of Israel, Lord God, God of Israel have revealed to your servant's ears saying a house I will build you. Therefore, has your servant found in his heart to pray to you this prayer? This, you see, this thunders into the soul of David. And now Adonai Yahweh, you alone are God. Your words are truth. How long will it take for the king of kings to establish the kingdom on earth? Still don't know. Probably very soon, I think. But it doesn't matter because his words are truth. Here's David. He's already been told that he'll rest with his forefathers and the next guy's going to build the temple and he's going to die. But the fact that he was told that this is going to last fast enough for him, your word, your words are truth. You have spoken unto your servant this good thing. And now let it please you to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever before you. For you, Adonai Yahweh, you have spoken it through your blessing. Let me bless the house of your servant forever. Now here it is and I'll just fly right through this thing in 1 Chronicles 17. King David came and sat before Yahweh. He said, who am I Adonai Yahweh? Who is my house that you have brought me thus far? As though this was yet too small a thing in your eyes, Elohim, but you also spoke of your servant from afar. And you have regarded me in the manner of a man of high degree, Adonai Yahweh. What more need David seek you to have glory as your servant? For you know your servant, Yahweh, for the sake of your servant. And according to your heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know all the great things. Yahweh, there's none like you. There's no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, one nation in the world, whom, Elohim, whom God went to redeem. And high Elohim means of the, of the God. But God, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people to make you a name of great and fearful things to drive nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. And you made your people Israel to be to you as a people forever. And you, Yahweh, became God, our God, their God. And now, Yahweh, the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house shall be re realized forever and do as you have spoken and may your name be confirmed and magnified forever saying Yahweh of armies, uh, God of Israel is God to Israel and the house of David, your servant shall be established before you. For you, God, 
our God, great God, have revealed to your servant's ear to build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found occasion to pray before you. And now, Yahweh, you are God. And you have spoken concerning your servant this good thing. And now you've commenced to bless your servant's house to be before you forever. For you, Yahweh, have blessed and he shall be blessed forever. So David closes his prayer and he says, you gave the blessing and it will never be taken away because it's what you have given. Now you and I as God's people are in that blessing. The son of David, who is also son of man, to come and rule and reign in greatness and power and to worry about the consummation of all things and the judge of all people. He is our savior. He is the Christ of God. And that blessing that is given here in this last line, you have blessed, he shall be blessed forever. Well, that's you and me. That is, that's inclusive of God, of the people of God. And this was a long one. So I'll say we'll have the deacon prayer time.